Well, actually, like <laughs> he was born with a cleft lip and cleft palate and that's mm -hmm. how God made him. And he had amazing surgeons who, you know, stitched him up and, you know, just mm -hmm. to have those conversations like, hey, it's not funny. Like no one's laughing at your joke. No right. one, no one thinks it's cool. Like, yeah, we're different. And so what? I think that's really important. I don't know if that's the right approach, but that's the approach <laughs> that we're taking. Hey, I'm Kimberly. And I'm Summer. And this is The Kids Are In Bed. We are two new moms who just had babies in 2020. During that time, we leaned on each other, our limited community, and the internet. We want to share our experiences and knowledge with you guys and hopefully entertain you a little. What better time to discuss babies, sex, pregnancy, and just life than when the kids are in bed. And they are indeed in bed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I think we have a case of the giggles. It's... It's just one of those days where I can't get it together. No. <laughs> but Not I love all. it. It's just like, okay, this is probably just a random thought. But there was something I was going to tell my coworker earlier. And we're in separate <laughs> rooms. So I was like, I need to tell her this. It's so important. And uh -huh. I go over there. My principal stops me on the way. And, you know have that conversation I keep going I walk in her room and I'm like oh gosh and it, I still can't remember what it is <laughs> it's been bugging me all night I'm like I know I need to tell Melissa something shout out to you Melissa but I'm like I need to tell you something and it's very important it is and I'll remember at like 3 a.m tonight so or maybe in the middle of this episode <laughs> maybe I'll be like hold on <laughs> Melissa. Um, oh, man. So if that is any idea of how my brain's working today. Good thing it's go. a Friday. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> like, <laughs> my poor students today were just like, Mrs. Martins is off the wall. But anyways, <laughs> how's your day? <laughs> my day is going good. It's been... So this week has actually been a tough week for just us at home. Logan had been like extra fussy for the last, well, for a couple, like three or four days. It was just, Logan's a really easy tempered baby, but the last couple days he had just been fussy. And I know some babies, you know, they get fussy, but it's just so not like Logan. And so to have a fussy day is one thing, but then to have, you know, another fussy day and another one and another one. And it was like, are you going to get teeth? Like, what's going on? Are you in pain? Are you uncomfortable? And I I truly honestly don't know what it was. Um, oh. Like, I don't necessarily know if there was something wrong with him. Um, right. But yesterday he woke up and he was happy and like happy as could be. And so today oh. we were he was happy again. So we were back on track. But Thank goodness, because I was starting to get, like, exhausted. And I, yeah. this is the last week that I get home with Logan. <laughs> Today was my last weekday as a stay-at-home mom. And so this week I was just like, man, I just want to savor these moments. And mm -hmm. it was just tough. And so in the middle I was like, okay, maybe going back to work won't be so bad. Like, because yeah. this is not feeling good, but... In the same sense, like, these last two days have been beautiful and, like, exactly what I needed to, like, 
finish my week off at home with him. So good. Today was good. I got to share my day in the life with everybody, which was fun Mm. just to kind of document that. I I feel like I could never, ever be an influencer. One, it's too much work. And two, I really don't think that many people care about my life. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I watched it. It was pretty cute. (laughs) I was cute. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I liked watching your guys's yesterday. I remember I would like scroll on my feed and try and refresh to see when you would post again (laughs) because I wanted to know what you guys were doing. Oh, man. And yesterday was just a just a mess. I was like, it's going to be messy because that's life, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's real life. That is real life. I was just I felt like curveballs have just been thrown all week. So it was just. Maybe yeah, it's the it's rain. Fun. Maybe we all knew the rain was coming and everything uh, is just off. I completely agree with that statement. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, just such a weird time. It's it is. And I feel like I don't know, maybe this is cuz I'm back in teacher mode, but like spring is here. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> if you're a teacher, you know what that means. So it's just mm-hmm. like everything is yeah. Times are changing. Things are changing. (laughs) Changing. And they're changing quickly. Yeah. Um, But, yeah. it's. I'm excited that spring is here. Is it like next week? And. Yeah. Everything will be bright and sunny. Time change. You know what? Time change did it. That's what it it was. Time change. That's it. Mm Mm-hmm. Nailed it. I never understood, like, why people would complain about it. But now I'm like, (laughs) what the heck? And who knew, like, one hour difference could, like, Mm -hmm. rock the world of my child? Maybe that's why he was fussy. Maybe we were still. And we had tried to, like, slowly adjust our schedule a couple days. But, you know, I didn't put too much time or effort into it. But, man, it just... It rocked his world. It rocked my world. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I. We didn't even try to adjust it. I think I was talking to you that Saturday. And I was like, oh, I should have done something. Yeah. And, yeah, she's she's fine. She's, <laughs> she's fine. They're alive. They're sleeping now. All they is are. well in the world. <laughs> she's back to her routine. It was yeah. just a rough couple of days. Agreed. But... Um, last time we were on, we talked about feeding and then this time we said we were going to talk about clefts. Yeah. And so I know a little bit about your background and stuff. Um, but something that I don't think a lot of listeners know is that your brother also has a cleft. Yeah. So how was, how does that work? Cause I know there's his story which means there's genetics involved um so you maybe want to share a little bit about that like what a cleft is and that are their experiences yeah absolutely so i have it's it's a weird phrase like to be a part of the cleft community but i have indirectly been a part of this strange thing called the cleft community um for the last 21 23 years actually since my first brother was born and before we kind of start I just want like everything that we talk about like in this cleft episode is only based on like my own personal experiences I am by no means a cleft expert um (laughs) 
I am a mom who is very type A and has done lots and lots of research and, you know, done everything that I can to learn as much as I know. But I know our story, my family story, and my story with Logan is really different than another cleft family story. So for any cleft moms that are listening, like, excuse my ignorance in some areas that I'm just not familiar with because we haven't directly dealt with that. But um, I just want to try and portray what we know. But certainly it's not the only way that things go as far as the cleft world happens. Um, but kind of our family history. So I am the oldest. I... And when I was three, my first brother, Benjamin, was born. Um, and Benjamin was born with a cleft lip and cleft palate. So he was born with a bilateral cleft lip, okay. which means that there was a clefting that occurred on both sides of his lip. Um, gotcha. And he also had a cleft palate, which means um, that the roof of his mouth. So if you stick your tongue on the top of your mouth that part hadn't fused correctly um, at birth. And so cleft lips, um, when you're in utero, your lips form between four to seven weeks um, gestation. So it's like one of the first things that happen. And your Mm -hmm. palate forms between six to nine weeks. And a lot of the times moms don't even know that they're pregnant that early on, which is crazy to think about, like, by the time you find out you're pregnant, like your baby, like it's likely been determined whether your baby has a cleft lip or palate or not. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, it's like the craziest <laughs> thing to think about. And I don't know if you remember, but I like as soon as I found out I was pregnant, I downloaded all of those pregnancy apps, like mm-hmm. all of the tracker apps. And one of them like would show you like what size your baby was, you know, right? Yeah, as they grew and. When they're four to seven weeks, like, that's the size of a poppy seed. Yeah. Like, you can barely see a poppy seed in your hand. And at that point, like, it's already determined if they're going to have a cleft or not. Wow. Which, like, that blows my mind when I think about because it seems so surreal that that's already been formed. So, um, yeah. So, that's – I've always found that to be super interesting. But – Um, So my brother was born with a bilateral cleft lip and cleft palate. And so that was a time, 23, 24 years ago when he was born, that was a time where there was really no information in the world on clefts. Like what clefts were, I mean, people have been born with clefts their whole lives, but there wasn't a lot of resources and research as to why, what causes them, how, you know, there weren't, there definitely weren't cleft mom groups. And so my, according to my mom, my brother Benjamin was the first cleft that they saw on an ultrasound at her hospital in which she got her ultrasound done. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, that's goes (sighs) to show like before that, They had never been able to identify a cleft on an ultrasound at this particular hospital. So think like think about like 20 years ago, like not having that kind of access to resources as far as 
the cleft world goes. Like, right. That's so crazy. And it's not, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not super uncommon. No, no. Right. And at, like research now and like what numbers show is every three minutes a baby is born with a cleft lip or cleft oh. palate or both. And so mm-hmm. one in 700 kids in the worldwide are born with a cleft. So just think like in th- oh every three minutes a baby is born with a cleft. And so to think that 20 years ago you couldn't yeah. even identify them that on an ultrasound just blows my mind. Really? Yeah. And just to think of all the other things that we've been able to do. Yeah. And yeah. Wow. And we've definitely come and we'll kind of share a little bit more is like just in the last 20, 25 years, like how far cleft care has come is incredible. The way that things were around for my mom when she was going through this and the things that are around for me now that I have Logan and we're going through this. She's like, I definitely did not have access to any of these things when I was going through it, which is it breaks my heart because I don't know how she could have gone through any of these things without resources or knowledge or other people to lean on. Um, So major shout out to my mom. Yeah. But so Benjamin was born. um, And so immediately they decided to do some genetic testing on him. Um, just, I think just because of the clefting, they wanted Mm -hmm. to figure out like, why, why did this happen? What's going on? Um, and so my brother did receive his lip repair when he was three months old. Um, and so lip repairs typically occur between three to four months old. Like that's a standard age range. But again, like Everything in the cleft world is so variable. I know that there's some kids that get it at six weeks and some that don't get their lip repaired until 10 months or older. So it just, everything is so variable. But for him, he got his repaired at three months and um, he actually passed away of SIDS um, Mm. just shy of his fourth month birthday. So, and I just... My heart goes out to my mom because I remember when Logan was exactly one day before his fourth month birthday when we sent him into surgery for his Mm -hmm. lip repair. And I just remember thinking like how like the amount that I loved Logan and how close and how bonded we were. I can could not even fathom like the thought of losing him at Mm -hmm. that old, you know. You already have personalities and are just so bright and lively. And so um, the fact that my mom was ever able to recover from that is incredible. She is strong mama. And truly, I don't think that she really has like fully recovered from that Mm -hmm. because I don't think you can. Um, But so as far as Benjamin, we I don't we his story kind of stops there. There's not a whole lot of. follow-up we don't know what life would have been like with a baby with a cleft palate or you know what happens from then on uh we unfortunately don't never got to find out um and if you're wondering they do not believe that the SIDS had any impact you know as far as his cleft lip or cleft palate like they didn't connect the two at all so um entirely separate but couple years later, my brother Sebastian was born and 
He was also born with a bilateral cleft lip, and um, but he did not have a cleft palate. So Got it. Benjamin had both. Sebastian just had the cleft lip. Um, and at that point, um, I, the way that my mom tells it, I believe that the uh, genetic testing was done when Benjamin was born, and they found mm-hmm. um, him, and they actually ended up testing me as well, found us both to have what's called Vanderwood syndrome, which is a oh. syndrome that um, is most commonly associated with clefts and clefting. So how it happens is it's an autosomal dominant gene. It's a trait. So only one person has to have one part of their gene that's copied incorrectly for you to pass it on. So it's a really, oh. really strong gene, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so that is definitely unfortunate. Um, the way that the gene works is, like, think back to high school, like your biology class, and mm-hmm. the way that your genes are made up are uh, A, T, and C, Gs. I don't know if you remember the box. That. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yep, exactly. Like think of those squares and think about like how they connected. So on the what's called the IRF6 gene in our bodies, there are lots of different, you know, the ATCG connections. And on the ninth exon, which is like the very last one, it is mismatched. So instead of it being AT, it's AC. So of the thousands of genes that we have in our body and the all the copies and everything, all the lettering on the very last part of a certain the IRF6 gene, it messed up. And so wow. that teeny tiny little genetic mess up is what in our family causes the clefting, um, oh, wow. which is so crazy. I mean, like. You think about that little poppy seed, and then you think about like the teeny tiniest, you <sighs> Can't know, even see it. mess up, um, yeah, or miscopy, and how that's caused something so significant in our lives is something that is so hard for me to like think about or even rationalize. Yeah, um, and so that gene specifically, it also has other features. Um, that are called something that's most commonly associated is lip pits. So I have the gene, I have the syndrome, but the syndrome and the gene, they present in a a different array, in different arrays. Mm -hmm. So like Benjamin had the cleft lip, cleft palate, and he had what's called lip pits. Mm -hmm. So it's little salivary glands in your lower bottom lip, and that can present in so many different ways as well, but he that's a big key feature, the lip pits of the specific syndrome. So generally, Mm. if you see anybody with lip pits, like, I don't want to say 10 times out of 10, but 9.9 times out of 10, they have Mm -hmm. the Vanderwood syndrome. Like, that's the telltale sign is the lip pits. Um, So I was also born with the lip pits. So I don't have a cleft of any sort, Mm -hmm. but I do have the lip pits, which is that telltale sign of having the syndrome. So Mm -hmm. I have had surgery to remove my lip pits. 
Um, so they are like salivary glands that kind of pop up from your lip. And so the reason that I got mine removed is because when I was younger, saliva would come out of the bottom of my lip. So they just surgically go in there, got remove it. it so saliva doesn't leak. Um, for some, like my brother Sebastian, he also has lip pits, but his never leaked. So mm. again, like it can present in so many different ways. Um, and when we look at Logan, he has the lip pits as well. So that's one feature of the syndrome. Another feature is webbing of like hands or feet. So I actually was also born with webbed feet. Oh. Um, but not like my full foot was webbed. It's just <laughs> the second and third toe were webbed together. Um, uh-huh. Which is just an interesting feature of the syndrome. So when I yeah. was in third grade I I actually got the webbing corrected um so I had surgery they just separated the toes and took skin from my hip and grafted it in between my toes so that's wow yeah just and I actually to this day wish that I didn't get that corrective surgery because I think it would have just been cool but I remember being in third grade someone making fun of me and saying like oh, you must swim like a duck or you must be like a good swimmer. And I just remember feeling really awful. And like, really, who looks at your feet? I mean, right. (laughs) Like as an adult, I don't think anybody's really looked at my feet. Mm -mm. But my third grade heart really, really wanted that corrected. So yeah, my parents were amazing and they let me get that corrected. Um, But none of my other brothers nor Logan had any kind of webbing. Another weird syndrome thing is you're born with less teeth. You don't have like the oh. proper amount of teeth. So I actually have one of the teeth in my mouth is still a baby tooth. So there was never an adult tooth underneath it. So what? Yeah. I'm learning so much about you. <laughs> no. So that's just another weird quirky syndrome thing that I carry. So just because I mean, I think I'm lucky in the fact that I got those weird quirky ones and didn't present with a cleft. But those are, you know, kind of how you present is luck of the draw, which is crazy. That's insane. I had no idea about that. Like I knew about the lips and like the cleft bit and the pits, but I had no idea about the other stuff. And so interesting. And I think the craziest thing is, like, how – and there is a very small subset of people in the world that are born with Vanderwood syndrome. And so because of that, um, because it's a dominant gene, unfortunately, um, the geneticists estimate that I have a 50 to 80 percent chance of passing it on. Um, Right. And we are actually meeting with a geneticist at the end of the month. And they are doing research and trying to um, see what's out there. And unfortunately, there's not a lot of information out there on this syndrome specifically. Mm. But they're trying to figure out, okay, if there's an 80% chance that this syndrome is passed on, what percent chance of that will result in clefting? And then clefting of what sort? Of lip, of palate, of just lip pits, and then what combination of those things? So. They're going to research that, um, see if there's any information. 
-hmm. but I am not very hopeful that there will be, you know, a plethora of information out there. I don't think that we're going to learn much more than what I can find on Google. So it will be interesting to see what we found out. But um, in our journey, Logan just did his genetic testing. So we got the confirmation that he does have this syndrome. And David and I have just sent in our samples. And so what's going to happen is I'm likely, like, I'm 100% going to probably come up as positive for it and David will come up as negative. But that will just give us some good information as to, like, moving forward and, you know, what that looks like for us and kids and future planning. Um, Mm -hmm. They're also going to offer that testing to my brother and my mom and dad and I think that will help my brother make any future decisions as well as far as family planning. Um, And my mom wants to do it just to see, like, is it on her side of the family? And right. Which is interesting because I'm like, Mom, you can't have any more kids. Like, what does it matter? (laughs) Like, if because I don't really think that it's something that you want to be blamed for or take the fault for, like, if it was on your side. Um, it's not going to change anything for me, certainly. Um, mm-hmm. But for her, I think it's just a peace of mind. Um, right. Because my uncles have kids, and so she just wants to know, like, is it is there a potential family line link somewhere? And if there is, can they stop it? So right. it will be an interesting thing. Likely, both of my parents are negative for it, and it's just a misfire that happened when their genes just joined the together. combination. Yeah, that's what that's what I've always believed. That's what I think is the most likely answer um, because mm-hmm. there has been zero history of clefting in my family before, you know, uh, mm-hmm. my siblings and I. So it would be very, with such a dominant gene, it would be very unlikely that either of them are carriers. But who knows? Who knows? That's crazy. And I'm assuming if Sebastian has kids. Yeah. They will most likely. Yeah, exactly. So my brother has the same chance that I do, which is another interesting thing because his has presented with a cleft and mine hasn't, but we have equal chance of passing it on the syndrome. So um, if he chooses to have kids naturally, then he has the same odds, but there are other options potentially out there. Right. Um, that could be explored. Got it. So with the cleft, what does treatment typically look like? Or from your experience, what does treatment look like? Yeah. For that. And I will say, so in our situation, the clefting is genetic because we have the syndrome. But in 99% of the rest of the cleft community who doesn't carry the syndrome that we do, there is no found cause for clefts. Um, They do say that there could be an environmental and genetic factor of some sort, some sort of mixing potential medications or, you know, potential environmental factors. But truthfully, there has been no definitive research to say, like, if you took this medication, it causes a cleft. Like, there's nothing out there. And so I know that when you fi- most moms, um, when they find out about their child is going to be born with the cleft, like 
the first thing you do is blame yourself or think like, what did I do? Or, mm-hmm. you know, what caused this? Or should I not have had that cup of coffee or, you know, any right. sort of thing. But there are no known causes for clefts out there other than directly caused by a syndrome like in our case. So um, I think that that's a common misconception is that people think like, oh, you know, and that's people will say like, oh, you must have drank in in, Mm -hmm. while you're pregnant or you must have done drugs, you know, while you're pregnant. And that is truly just one of the most ignorant statements that anyone could make or one of the worst assumptions that someone could make because there are no causes or links to that so that's good to know yeah and it's really unfortunate but at the same time I don't know if that's like a good thing for some people to not be able to blame you know what I mean yeah but yeah Yeah. no I know and it is and we kind of talked about like how common clefting is it's the Uh second most common birth defect in the world that's insane to me yeah like because you were even talking about your birthing experience and them not knowing much or lacking some yeah. mm-hmm. information. Oh, yeah. And for it to be so common. Yeah. Like, and I, just... I think that that has been a huge struggle for David and I as we've gone through this is it's the second most common birth defect in the entire world. And yet we felt like as parents, we were the only ones in a hospital setting that knew anything about it. You know, like, right. We were never even my high risk doctor who deals with birth defects on a mm-hmm. daily basis, a minutely basis, really had not a lot of information about it other than like, oh, it's common. And oh, yeah, you have surgery. And that was kind of the extent of what he shared with us. Mm. Um, so we have definitely felt disappointed by numerous hospitals, numerous doctors um, in regards to their lack of knowledge around clefts. Other than like the cleft teams we've spoken to, which is just a fresh of breath air when you're like, oh, right. Finally, someone in the world like understands what we're going through and like what's involved. But overall, um, there's just been a giant lack of information out there, which it's crazy. The most common Um, birth defect is down syndrome then it's Mm. clefts and then it's heart defects and I feel like there is so much and I might be wrong because I'm not you know experts in these areas but I in my mind down syndrome is something that's more commonly talked about or known Mm -hmm. more information about and heart defects too Um, but I feel like in general clefts is not talked about yeah, I was thinking because I knew we were going to be doing this episode. So I was talking to a coworker and I was thinking about how when you're in education, you have to go through all the trainings to work with students with different needs. Yeah. Right. And I was never talked to about kids with clefts. Right. Like, and I don't know if it's because people just assume that it's just cosmetic. Mm hmm. Um, or what, but like I know I've had student siblings who they go to speech and they're yeah. on um 
what IEP, IEP I don't know what yeah, that yeah, stands yeah. for right now. <laughs> Individualized <laughs> educational plan. Yeah. There you go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and thanks for that. But I never understood. Like, it didn't seem like, oh, it's something that is talked about commonly. It was just a thing. But to know that it's is that common. And even as yeah. an educator, I'm not trained on it to know how to handle it. Yeah. Um, it's kind of disappointing. Yeah, like, no, absolutely. Because I think, I mean, that's the biggest misconception is like, oh, it's just cosmetic. Oh, mm-hmm. it's just one surgery. And I remember th- that's what the high risk doctor told me. Like, oh, it's just a, it's just one surgery when they're three months old. No big deal. And I'm kind of downplay it. Yeah, <laughs> totally brushed it off. And I know better because my brothers were born with clefts. So I know it's not just a one and done surgery. My brother is 21 years old and he's had at least 18 surgeries and he's got a couple scheduled you know like this is not a one and done thing and so when especially when we talk about things like speech and hearing Mm -hmm. and social emotional needs like this is so much more significant than just closing the gap between Mm -hmm. your lips like and I think that that's the misconception like you're born oh you have this little gap between your lip or oh you have a hole in the roof of your mouth like we'll just do surgery and like you're fine you're never going to be defined by your cleft again which Mm -hmm. is so untrue because you struggle with dental problems and hearing problems and speaking problems and social emotional things like it is so much more severe than people make it out to be yeah, especially I feel like that social emotional part yeah. is not addressed very much when it comes to kids with clefts, which yeah. is so unfortunate too. Absolutely. And, you know, think about bullying and think mm-hmm. about what, I mean, what's incredible is like, for, I mean, I could just go on and on. I mean... <laughs> Oh, don't even get me started, Summer. (laughs) (laughs) Firstly, in regards to bullying, like, it absolutely blows my mind that people think that they have permission to say anything negative about someone to their face or through a computer screen. Like, I just Mm -hmm. cannot fathom, like, what people think and what they think gives them the right to say anything mean or negative to anybody Like, first and foremost, like, I just cannot understand. I have it, like, if any, if you want to get me heated, (laughs) start talking to me about bullying. Um, Yes. But just when you meet somebody, the first Mm -hmm. thing you do is say hi, and you're looking at their face. And so Mm -hmm. automatically when something is different, you notice it. You notice if someone has a beauty mark on their face. You notice if they're wearing glasses, you notice the color of their hair. So Mm -hmm. naturally you're going to notice if they have a scar on their face or if their nose is a little asymmetrical or if anything is different, you're going to notice it. And so Mm -hmm. the first thing that you think of is, well, what's that? And why do they have that? And what, you know, what happened or, you know, that looks weird or, you just have a million different things running through your mind the very first time you meet somebody. And so when you have mm-hmm. a cleft, like, unfortunately, like, that's 
And not to say that that's the right thing to do, but that's what people do. And so Mm -hmm. now, and I, I don't have a cleft, so I don't know what that's like. I cannot even begin to imagine what that feels like. I know that I have a million and one of my own insecurities. And so right. I can enter into a room and feel so insecure about X, Y, and Z. Or if I haven't plucked my eyebrows and I'm talking to someone, I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> they're staring at my eyebrows. Like I haven't plucked them. Like they look a mess. Like what? I don't want them to see me. And I like will look away or, you know, things like that. And so I just can't imagine the social emotional toll that having a cleft has. Um, I know that that's been a challenge in my family um, as Mm. far as my siblings. And so I'm certainly not, I don't want to speak on my brother's behalf as far as that, Mm -hmm. but I know that it's tough and I know that it's heavy. And so as a mom, I remember that being my biggest fear. Um, finding out about Logan's cleft. I remember the first thing I thought about was what are people going to say and how do I protect him from those Mm -hmm. people? Like how I can't be around him Mm -hmm. 24-7, but I know that if I was, I would fight people 24-7 just for looking at him the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's been this really weird balance of like, how do I know that he's going to feel different? Be okay that he feels different. How do I help build his confidence, but without drawing too much attention to it? And how do we live life where he's not defined by his cleft, but also acknowledge it and be strong in that? And, you know, every day I balance between like, what's the right thing to do? Do we talk about his cleft? Like, is this like something that's just normal or do we not? Do we not bring attention to it or do we post all of these pictures or do we not? Is he going to hate us one day or Mm -hmm. there's just so many things to work out. And I don't know if there's the answers. And I think that that makes it hard too. like, how do you know what the right thing to do is, Mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the road? I know that my parents have probably done things in their lives that they thought was the right thing at the time that I've resented them for later. And so right. when it comes to dealing with this, like David and I talk about it a lot. Like there's a lot of pressure to make the right decision because we want to build him up to be strong and confident and feel good about himself. But we also know that, you know, I don't feel that way about myself. So it's going to be normal for him to not want to acknowledge his cleft or not be proud of it. Mm-hmm. Or not feel strong. Um, so just trying to figure that out. If anybody has the answers, please let me know. <laughs> because I don't really know. But um, yeah, it's hard. Do you think it's something that... Because like I know, like, well, Ruth will grow up with Logan. Yeah. Right? So she'll be not normalized by it. But it's, it'll be a part of her life. Like, she knows... Yeah. Or she'll know her whole time growing up. But do you think it's something that should be discussed or um, brought in to younger children's lives? Like, I don't know if I'm asking this the right way. Yeah, yeah, No, I know what you mean. Like, normalizing it. Yeah. Like, talking th- about it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I think of, like, I don't know. I taught kindergarten and we read books about kids with 
speech issues or Mm -hmm. deaf or with glasses or we had stories about Down syndrome kids. Yeah. um, Just to kind of build that community for our students. And so I'm wondering, is that something that you think you would want people to bring up with their kids? Yeah, I think a thousand times yes. Um, I do think it's really normal for there to be representation of people of all kinds. Um, Mm -hmm. I have, there's this amazing mom who wrote this amazing book. It's called No Such Thing as Normal. Um, Mm -hmm. And when I found that book, I bought it and bought a couple copies because it's so incredible. But it just really highlights, you know, that there, and that phrase sticks with me daily. Like there's Mm -hmm. no such thing as normal. Like who is to say that like having, a symmetrical face is normal. Like, who's to say that? Like, right. you know, or who's to say that, you know, not having a disability is normal? Like, that there is no such thing as normal. There are so many people in the world that are affected by so many different disabilities or defects or, you know, a million different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that it's really important to have someone to that looks like you in the world so we have definitely tried to in our family normalize that so we definitely purchased those books but we also um I kind of shared tonight we I just bought a new book by Joanna Gaines it's a really cute children's book and there's and it talks about differences and normalizing differences and we're all born in this world different and we need people to be different because if we were all the same We couldn't get anything done. And so there's this cute little character in the book that looks like Logan or what we imagine Logan to look like when he's older. And so I'm going to take a little pencil and draw like a small little cleft scar throughout the book because I want because in this book there's children in wheelchairs or children represented with different disabilities. And so I want Logan to feel like there's a character out there that looks like him. I think that that's really important. I think it's important to have those discussions. I had a super sweet friend, an old neighbor of mine. I cannot say enough good things about her, but she actually, um, there's this doll that a lady on Etsy makes and you know, a baby doll and she makes them with clefts. And so this sweet friend of um, ours sent us Um, said like I want you to buy this for Logan like we're gonna fund you this like we love you and we want Logan to have a doll that looks like him and so I do think it's important and one day when he has a sister like his sister will be able to play with this baby doll that has a Mm -hmm. cleft and gets to touch it and love on this baby because he's still a baby you know (laughs) just like Mm -hmm. our Logan is still a baby but I think a lot of the times bullying and ignorant comments comes from lack of information. Yes. And lack of knowledge and lack of acceptance because maybe they haven't been taught by their parents or they've just never experienced, you know, Mm -hmm. things before in their lives. So I think that teaching kids about all kinds of disabilities or differences is super, super important. Um, to normalize it, you know, like we're yeah. all different, mm-hmm. whether it's the color of your hair or how you speak or, 
you know, if you have a scar on your face, I think that it's really important to normalize differences. So having those conversations at a young age and saying, hey, like, we're different, but that's okay. Like, hey, you know, you're tall Mm. and this person's not or it's anything in the whole world. Um, Right. But yeah, and I think that that will help too with one day if Ruth and Logan are ever somewhere and someone says something to Logan like, hey, what's wrong with your face? And she says, well, actually, like (laughs) he was born with a cleft lip and cleft palate and Mm -hmm. that's how God made him. And he had amazing surgeons who, you know, stitched him up and, you know, just Mm -hmm. to have those conversations like, hey, it's not funny. Like (laughs) no one's laughing at your joke. No right. one, no one thinks it's cool. Like, yeah, we're different, and so what? Right. I and I don't know if really that part. I don't know if that's the right approach, but that's the approach <laughs> that we're taking. Um, and David yeah, always yeah. jokes that we're gonna put Logan into karate or taekwondo or some sort of fighting, you know, yeah. sport Defense. that way he can defend himself and fight for himself if it ever comes down to it. But which I'm all for, like. Mm-hmm. You know, that's totally fine. But we've also talked about how equally important it is to teach him how to defend himself with his words and not in a mean, yeah. you know, hateful way, but in a like, yeah, my face is different. And so what? Like, who cares? And this is why. And, you know, move on. Not to say that that's not going to hurt him or hurt his right. feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't think that we, we can ever take that away, that feeling or that pain of someone saying ne- anything negative to him, mm-hmm. you know, him responding well doesn't mean it's not going to hurt, but yes, doing both I think is important. And it could keep that person from saying it to someone else too. Yeah. And I think to get that reaction like- that. And that's the hope. <laughs> yeah. I was actually joking the other day. We're like, we, can, you know, we were kind of joking like one day if someone asks him that, make up a story. Say it was a shark attack. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. joking. But really, I think we want him to be able to feel confident enough to say like, yeah, I was born with a cleft. And I'm different, but we're all different. And I don't appreciate that. But. <laughs> and right. You know, I hope that he will one day feel comfortable enough to share that with me when those things come up. Mm -hmm. Um, And I need to start praying for myself that I can handle that because I know my gut reaction is to do some Taekwondo on someone else or (laughs) to respond with not so nice words because that's what I had to do when me and my brother were growing up. I'm six years older than my brother. And Mm. I remember people sometimes would say mean things or make fun of my brother because of his cleft. And I remember fighting people, fighting Mm. kids, yelling at kids, saying things to them because of their comments. So that's my gut reactions to defend right in that way. But, you know, his mom can't chew out a five-year-old. Although, (laughs) although if you catch me on the wrong day, I, that might be my like go-to reaction. But I think it's just a hard thing to navigate. And I can think of it and David and I can talk about it until we're blue in the face. But I don't think we're really going to know what to do until we're there and we're in that position. Yeah. Um, 
But two, like, I know that you guys have been super supportive and even just our like shirt campaign to raise yes. money for Smile Train. Um, we commissioned some artists to and multiple artists. So this isn't our only design. Um, but to draw, we sent pictures of Logan and we asked them to draw a picture of Logan's cleft. And so we put it on shirts without words, without, you know, anything like that in hopes of starting conversations and hopes mm-hmm. of, you know, you wearing your cleft shirt down on the street and someone saying like, what's that? And you can have those conversations to say like, oh, actually, you know, while still yeah. supporting an amazing cleft organization like Smell Train, but just having open, honest conversations, I think is going to change the world. I wish that more people had open, honest conversations um, definitely that shirt idea was genius thank I you. will say because <laughs> no really it was like I bought it and I was like I'm gonna support Logan you know like do these yeah. things but it has started a lot of conversations yeah like I even had a good conversation with my eighth graders because of it mm. like oh that's cute big things and um I had some of my students have cousins who also have clefts and it also made them feel like oh someone else is like knows about it yeah it kind of felt like there was a sense of belongingness I don't know yeah it was a weird and I think that's the word belonging like feeling like acknowledged for something that defines part of you that is not ever acknowledged Mm -hmm. and it's so funny because you don't hear about clefts being talked about that often. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you start to talk about it, you're so surprised with how many people have been affected by clefts. <laughs> some some guy somewhere came knocking on our door. It was like a solar guy who was trying to sell us solar. And we we're like, mm-hmm. oh, not interested. You know, yeah. we are just renting this place. But then Logan was with me and somehow all of a sudden he's like oh yeah my niece has was born with a cleft and you know it's just this solar guy that's trying to and we start having a conversation about clefts or my neighbor across the street was like oh my best friend's kid was born with a cleft and oh Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden like there's so many people that have been cleft affected that are somehow a part of your world and you feel connected you feel the sense of belonging like oh someone else in the world is acknowledging a part of me like that's really cool yeah I just still can't get over how common it is yeah every three minutes I mean think about how I remember when I was going into labor thinking Mm -hmm. like oh how many other cleft affected kids are going to be born on August 15th like and I just remember thinking like that's so cool like Mm -hmm. there are so many out there that have the same birthday as Logan, you know, born with the cleft. And I was just thinking about all the other moms that were in just as much pain as me that <laughs> were going to be seeing their kids, you know, cleft smile or when they were born and like what that emotion feels like. And but also it was reassuring, like it's way more common than you think. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, going from that, like, because you 
didn't necessarily know what his cleft was going to look like, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So was there a way to prepare for what was coming? Is there like a team that helps or surgeons that you had on call? Like, how yes. does that work? So, yeah, we didn't know what Logan's cleft was going to look like. We knew at my 20-week ultrasound, they said, they, you know, they look at the face. And they and I was going to a high-risk doctor because of my family history of cleft. So they were looking for it, and um, that's the reason that I was sent there. And so they saw the cleft, um, but and then they were looking at the palate so imagine like trying to do an ultrasound on the inside of your mouth it's really challenging you can't really get I mean you can barely see their faces on an ultrasound Mm -hmm. I remember bringing ultrasound pictures to David and I was like look at his face he's like I don't see it like like, no no no. like those are his eyes that's his nose look at his mouth and he's like no like zero clue so (laughs) imagine like trying to figure out the inside of your mouth Mm-hmm. Um, so the doctor said, like, it looks like he'll be born with a cleft palate, but there's no way to confirm that until birth. Got it. Um, so at, right away, they were able to tell me it's a left. So there's different, lots of different kinds of clefts, um, mm-hmm. but they were able to tell me it's a left-sided unilateral cleft, which means there is just a, um, it didn't fuse on the left side of his mouth. Sometimes okay. it happens on the right, or if it's a bilateral, it means that both sides didn't fuse together. So there are two um, gaps um, where the skin didn't fuse. So both of my brothers were born with bilaterals, My and Logan was born with a unilateral. So they said, okay, unilateral left-sided. And so there's also a complete cleft and an incomplete cleft. So an incomplete cleft means it doesn't go all the way through the nose. It just is in the lip. Whereas a complete cleft is the cleft goes all the way into the nose. Okay. And so they weren't able to tell me which one of those it was. And so all of a sudden you hear like, okay, your kid's going to have a cleft. And the next thing you're like, so what does it look like? What Mm -hmm. kind of cleft? And they're basically like, well, it's on this side, but we don't really know. And so I remember. Uh, so then, I mean, the first thing you do is Google, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, so what could it potentially look like? And, you know, you see a wide array of like very it, small clefts and then very large clefts. And you're like, where on this spectrum are we going to fall? Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember like looking at so many different pictures and David and I were like, well, what if it looks like this? Or we think it might look like this or my brothers look like this. Um, and so you're not you have no idea. Even in 3D pictures, I remember we got a 3D ultrasound done and they said, oh, it looks like a really small cleft. Looks like right. it's five millimeters. And so for us, we were like, oh, thank God. Like, that's great. Five millimeters is tiny, you know this is going to be fine. And so once we found out about the cleft, we interviewed multiple cleft teams. And so we had like 50 different questions to ask all of these teams and we wanted to know everything about them. And so once we were done kind of with our personal interview process, David and I kind of sat down and said, okay, if it's this type of cleft, we're going to go here. If it's this one, we're going to go here. So we kind of 
designated, but we wouldn't know until he was born. So we always said, right. like, as soon as he comes out and we see his face, that's the minute we pick the team um, based on what it looks like. And so when Logan was born, I the first thing I said was, does he have a cleft palate? Like, right. I wanted to know right away, like, was his palate affected? And so in Logan's case, it was. And I remember feeling like, oh, shoot, like feeling like. Okay, I, you know, is always expecting the worst and hoping for the best. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I had a very high, you know, feeling that he was going to have a cleft palate as well. And so he did. But there was like that brief moment of disappointment, like, dang it. Okay. And not so much for me, but more for him. Like, dang yeah. it. Now you're going to deal with potential hearing challenges, extra feeding challenges, extra speech challenges. You know, in my mind, like, all of the possible complications just went up 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we saw his cleft, I remember, and David and I have talked about it after, but we both individually had moments of, like, dang it. Like, it was larger than we had kind of made it out to be in our minds. Mm-hmm. Um, turns out it was 21 millimeters wide instead of Ooh. the five that they estimated. So that was significantly larger than we were kind of mentally preparing for. I remember we would like get out rulers and we're like, okay, this is five millimeters. It's only going to be like this. And so when it was that much wider, it was like, oh, dang it. But we instantly knew, though, what cleft team we wanted to go to. We knew that if it was going to be, you know, that way, we were going to go to Stanford, hands down. That's what we wanted to do. And so... In these moments, I remember lots of moments of, like, David and I didn't talk because so much was happening after labor, but somehow I just knew we were on the same page, you know, the whole way. Right. Um, So that's how we picked our cleft team based on Logan's cleft severity. And I remember going to that first appointment, and they're like, oh, his cleft is so sweet. And they were... They were, they had used the kindest words about it. And I felt so proud in those moments. I was like four days postpartum or something, but I was like, David, did you hear that? They said his cleft was sweet. Like he has a sweet cleft. And, you know, you're around people that have, they see clefts, you know, Mm -hmm. multiple times a day. And to hear the word sweet cleft, I just remember feeling like so much pride, like, yeah. Like, yeah, unfortunately has a cleft, but like someone in the world said it was sweet and like complimented <sighs> his cleft. And I had never felt so much pride before <laughs> until <laughs> she said that. Um, but then later we found out that his cleft was definitely much wider, one of the wider ones that they have ever seen. So, oh. um, so that was definitely, and I remember our orthodontist told us that when we were done with or orthodontic NAM treatment, she was like, I remember when I first saw, I didn't want to tell you how severe it was because I didn't want to freak you out, but it was oh. definitely way wider than, you know, typical. And so bless her heart. She's the best, but you know, uh, it was definitely severe. So it's something that you can never truly prep for. And I think if we did it again, I would equally be as like, well, how big is it? What does it look like? You know, right. All of those things, I don't think that that goes away. Um, but just knowing, you get a sense of it on the ultrasound, but really it's 
it could be completely different. And I do know that there are other moms where they have been told, like, yep, palate is affected and they're born and it's not. And so you just really yeah. never know. You have no idea. That's cool. And, okay, so correct me if I'm wrong. Does the OB give you recommendations for the cleft teams? Or how did you find the ones you were interviewing? Yeah, that's a good question. So we were actually, so our OB referred us to a high-risk doctor. That mm-hmm. high-risk doctor, like, when we found out about the cleft, he came in, talked to me for, like, three minutes. But I was, like, completely numb. Like, I, like, could not yeah. really comprehend anything that he was saying, especially because David couldn't even be in the room with me. Mm-hmm. So I really, like... The words he said went in one ear and out the other, but I do remember him saying, like, oh, I think that there's a guy, you know, there's this new guy that um, deals with kids with clefts. And I was like, okay, you think there's a guy? <laughs> and, and I just remember, like, being confused, like, well, like, what do you mean? Like, is there somebody out there right. to help us? And so he's like, I think his name is oh, shoot, I can't remember. And then he, like, walked out the room, and I was like... Oh, my gosh. And then he comes back, and he's like, oh, yeah, 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 it's Dr. Zachary. And he was like... And he's, like, a young guy. He's new in the field. And I remember thinking, like, I don't know if you want (laughs) someone new in the field. I mean, I, I think there's pros and cons. Like, there's pros, like, maybe they know newer technology or something, but I don't want somebody who's you know, they're in their first year doing this. Like, right. That didn't make me feel super confident. But um, so that was our first referral. So the high risk doctor told the OB to refer us there. So they referred us there. And if I hadn't been connected with automatically, I like typed in cleft into Facebook and found like a cleft moms uh, support group that I joined right away. And so if it wasn't for the moms on there, I certainly would not have advocated to go to another cleft team. I would have just picked the cleft team that was recommended to us by our doctor. Um, But we scheduled that appointment and they didn't see us until like three months later. So something didn't quite sit right with me. I wanted to interview. I wanted to get the best. Like if we were Mm going to do this, like we're going to do this. And so I remember our friend our good friend Annalise actually mm-hmm. texted me, you know, after I had like shared with her that Logan would be born with the cleft. And she's like, oh, well, I have a friend who, you know, had a little boy with a cleft. Like, let me connect you. And so I was like, okay. And I remember like finally texting this mom. And like, I didn't really know what to say. I mean, what do you say to someone other? Like, how do you start a conversation with another cleft? Like, hey, heard your son has a cleft. Because I I didn't really know what I was asking. I didn't really know what I wanted out of the conversation other Mm -hmm. than, like, my heart was aching and I needed someone to understand how I felt. And so I I couldn't even tell you, like, how I started that conversation. (laughs) Um, But somehow in our conversation, she shared about their journey and, you know, their treatment that they went through. And so... I remember asking so many questions, but also feeling really awkward and like I didn't know how personal to get in the questions. Mm -hmm. Um, But she was like, oh, yeah, we went somewhere 
like in the Sacramento area. So I remember I was like, David, look how good he looks post-surgery. And then we start Googling like all of these cleft clinics in the Sacramento area. And so we're like, oh, UC Davis, like may I think it's that one. Turns out that's not where they <laughs> they went. <laughs> but we ended up UC Davis was really highly recommended. And so we interviewed with them and they were absolutely amazing. Um, and then my brother and my mom actually went to Stanford while they lived here. My brother had some surgeries at Stanford. So when they lived here in the Central Valley, uh, my brother's cleft team was at Stanford. So we interviewed the one that we were referred to and UC Davis. And then my mom's like, you should really just look at Stanford. And I remember thinking, like, that's too far. Like, mm-hmm. I'm okay. I don't want to do that. But then we were like, oh, well... And also part of it is my OB's office. They are very, if you ask them to do anything, they're very like, Ugh. you know, they're very inconvenienced mm. if you ask them to do anything. Yeah. So we had already asked for a second referral to UC Davis and they gave me a really big deal about it. And so I was like, David, I don't really want to ask them to make another referral. He's like, are you kidding? Like, that's their job. They literally get paid to do that. Like, ask for it. And so I did. <laughs> you go, David. And I know. Thank goodness for him. And they did. They gave me, like, a big stink about it. They're like, oh, oh my gosh. Man. You know, like, that whole thing. And um, But begrudgingly, they referred us to Stanford. <laughs> and it was absolutely amazing. And right away, we were like, that's the one. But we also played at Koi, like, well, I don't know, like, let's pray about it. And we had pros and cons lists posted in our house that we would go and pray for mm-hmm. every day. Um, but deep down, I think we both knew Stanford was the one. We went to go drive up there while I was pregnant, and we literally drove the four hours and just went to the parking lot, prayed in the parking lot, and left, like, <laughs> the parking lot of the hospital. We just had a feeling like that's where God was taking us. Yeah. And so... It was 1,000% the best decision that we could have made. Um, but I think that, like, if there are other moms listening that are expecting, like, advocate. Like, David definitely had to teach me to advocate. And now that, like, I'm in the game, like, I'm definitely advocating yeah. way more and pushing the boundaries way more and not, you know, not accepting the basic stuff the way that I did because I'm definitely not as naive as I was in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely, definitely advocate because, and half the time, unfortunately, in the medical world, if it's not your cleft team, you do know more information than the other doctors about your, about clefts in general. That's something that David yeah. and I have learned a lot. So just advocate because likely you are the expert of, you know, the cleft expert in the general area. So. Was there any books or, like, resource that you used a lot for your information? Or was it just, like, a ton of Google, like, download? <laughs> um, my main one was the Cleft Moms support group on mm-hmm. Facebook. I mean, like, hundreds and hundreds of posts a day. And I remember at first feeling so overwhelmed. I couldn't even, like, look at it. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the th- times, like, people post worst case scenarios you know like this is happening to my kid or did you experience this and so I remember feeling really flooded with like oh my gosh like all of these things are going to go wrong Mm -hmm. um at first but 
every day I would allow myself to read more and more and more. And I learned so much information, I think, in the first month than I've ever learned about anything in my whole life. So that was a big support for us. But also just amongst Google searches, David got really into learning things. And so he came across a podcast. It's called Don't Get Lippy. Um, by Jen Cross. She's absolutely amazing. And so we listened to her whole podcast. She is a cleft affected adult who her son was born with the cleft as well. And so she just interviews different cleft affected adults and just shares her experience. And I remember feeling like, oh my gosh, like there's someone out in the world and that's sharing these stories. And I, I, David and I would listen to her podcast anytime we got to the car um, so it was just a really, really nice resource as well. Got it. That's awesome. Yeah. I like that it's personal. The, like all your resources were very personal because I feel like yeah. from what you're saying, it's so unique mm-hmm. that there's not just a book on how to do it all. So no. getting all those different pieces, I'm sure is helpful for a mom who's like, what am I, what am I going into essentially? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And think about, like, of all the different challenges that come up, like feeding, hearing, speech, dental, social, emotional, like, I mean, there's a million more, but think about those top five. And then think, like, there's a severity level for each of those, Mm -hmm. like, from one to ten, and then, like, you have a combination. So some families, you know, like, hearing is a big challenge with their cleft-affected child, and dental is not or and speech but speech is or another family where it's like all dental and their hearing is okay you know like there's so many different combinations yeah levels of severity and every single thing that i have never met and probably won't ever meet someone that's identical to us in our story wow that is just mind blowing yeah to me but yeah. wow but in a sense, too, like, the best part of being a cleft mom is, like, knowing that there's such a huge community. Like, on yes. Instagram, like, I started my Heladella Instagram page as a personal, like, diary that I never mm-hmm. thought I was going to really release to the world. I had been posting for months and months on that just myself. And I had no followers. I wouldn't even let my brother follow me. So it was literally just me. And then all of a sudden one day it was like, okay, like I think I'm going to share this with the world. Um, And so I actually only started looking for different cleft families. Um, And so I only added cleft families on there. And so I would scroll through. So it was kind of like my secret getaway too. Like I had my personal Instagram with my Mm -hmm. friends and family But then I had this special place where it was like, these people understand me in a way that like people, other people that I associate in life with, they don't understand me in that way. And Mm -hmm. so when I scroll through that feed, it was filled of like acceptance and reassurance and understanding. I was like, these are these are my people. Like I feel accepted and loved and understood with these people and so still on that Instagram page the only people I follow are cleft families um like that's still my getaway is that side because those are my people and so somehow along there other people found my page like my friends 
from my other group started adding me. And so I remember <laughs> like, and my profile was private for a really long time because I didn't want anybody to know like that. F- it just felt too personal for me to display to the world. Right. But somehow I remember telling David like, okay, do I let them follow me? Do I? And so I did. I started to slowly let a couple of people follow me. And, you know, now I feel comfortable enough, like, walking through our journey together as people follow along. Um, Because, kind of we talked about earlier, is I want people to be educated. I want people Mm -hmm. to understand because when they don't, they're ignorant. And they make ignorant comments. I remember some family members or close friends in the beginning when we shared the cleft diagnosis said the most ignorant things to us. And I don't think they realized how hurtful their words were. And, you know, like the things that they would say was I had to stop talking to them for a while. And they don't know that I was hurt or offended Mm -hmm. um, so deeply. But I still remember specifically who and specifically what they said. And it was, you know, multiple people. Um, But they just didn't understand. Like they Mm -hmm. didn't have that awareness or understanding. And so it got to a point where it was like, I just want to beat them to it. You know, I want to share before they make assumptions. Right. Um, And so that's kind of why we as a family have chosen to be open about our journey because we want to raise awareness. We want to educate people so they don't say ignorant things. Or they don't raise their kids to bully or, you know, raise their kids to not know better. Right. Which is, I think, really, really inspiring. <laughs> like, following, no, really, like, following, <laughs> I follow your Hella Della account. <laughs> but um, it really is inspiring just to see the strength that you and David have. And I think that... Logan will one day see that as well. Like just watching how his parents have modeled the strength and knowing that he can also do it. I mean, like this little guy is so happy all the time. <laughs> and I know he knows he's loved. And I think that that Heladella account, there are just so many people on there that love that little guy. And I think yeah. you definitely are doing good things with oh. your story. Thank you. And it is so nice. I feel like I have friends all around the world. Like, truly, Mm -hmm. like, I've known people here, you know, forever. And I certainly don't have the same connections with people that I know personally that I do with these people (laughs) all around the world in different countries, in different states, in different cities. Like, there is a level of connection that I just can't explain. But when you relate to somebody on such a deep level and half of the time, like, you don't have to explain it to anybody, you know, like, right, I don't have to tell them how I'm feeling. They just know because they've gone through it or they're going to go through it. And they're like some of the best friends that I've ever had. I mean, you can share what you want, but do they are there any that have like severe complications? Because I know there's complications that occur because we kind of talked about feeding and stuff, but Mm -hmm. are any of them like super severe or what do they look like exactly? Um, I wouldn't say that necessarily any of their challenges right now are severe. I know some 
moms who have some older kids definitely went through some more challenging things in the beginning in regards to feeding. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are lots of different, I would say, complications, but it's also more like different things that can come up after, you know, just past just having a cleft. So like feeding difficulties, like mm-hmm. one of the most immediate concerns as far as feeding is like right after birth, like, okay, this baby, you know, has this cleft in their lip that may or may not go into their nose. Like, how are they going to be able to latch? Right. Like, can they latch at all? They don't have a palate, which you don't have a palate. You can't create suction. So how are how could you possibly eat when you can't close your mouth around something wholly mm-hmm. and suck liquid out, which is essentially breastfeeding you know like you can't latch a nipple and you can't suck out the milk and so I think just initial feeding is definitely a challenge or a potential complication um I know that like we have to use special bottles um Mm -hmm. for children with clefts so bottles that don't require suction because traditional you know nipples do require suction and suction is self-soothing like that Mm -hmm. feels good to a baby that's what they want that's what they desire and so children with cleft palates especially can't do that because they can't create that suction or they can't necessarily put their mouth completely around a nipple on a bottle or even you know a woman's nipple um because they have that cleft so there are lots of different bottles that accommodate those needs Um, Where the babies just kind of bite down and use their tongue to depress the nipple to get milk out. And so um, there are about five different cleft-specific bottles. And so that's a complication because I remember going to the hospital and when I was pregnant, I bought one of each of the bottles because I was like, I have no idea which one is going to work for us. What is going to work for us? And so will they have those bottles there Like, you know, because what if I didn't bring my own bottles and what if they didn't have bottles? Like, how would he eat? And so Mm -hmm. all of those different things run through you. And so we had to experiment with a couple of different bottles in the beginning to figure out what was going to work best for Logan. Um, I don't we don't have any personal experience in it, but I do know some cleft babies um, do end up going on. And G-tubes or G-tubes to try and get liquids into them um, Mm -hmm. to help gain weight Um, for whatever reason. I can't speak too in-depth on that because it's not something that we have experienced personally as to why they would need an NG-tube or not. Um, But there are some cleft mamas out there. So if any of them ever want to come on and share about their feeding experiences, I think it would be really good to hear from. Yeah. Um, definitely a whole other world that I could even learn a lot of different things from because Logan didn't struggle with that but if we had another baby that was cleft affected maybe they would um yeah and something that doctors had always said is you need to be careful because babies with clefts have to work a lot harder at eating and so sometimes they will burn more calories than they take in because of that so that's something definitely to monitor as well as far as feeding and then you know you fast forward to kind of the stage that we're at now where Logan does have a cleft palate even though his lip is repaired and so now we're eating solid foods and so when you have 
an entire hole opening at the top of your mouth. The foods that get stuck there and choking hazards and things like that, it definitely poses risks Mm -hmm. for him. So that's kind of in regards to feeding, um, in regards to hearing, um, babies with clefts often get frequent ear infections and have a potential for hearing loss, Mm. um, especially if they're born with a cleft palate, because your palate is kind of a barrier between your um, ear passages and obviously your nasal passage as well. Right. Um, But if you have a cleft palate, you are definitely at risk for developing middle ear fluid Mm. and potentially developing hearing loss. So more ear infections. Logan has had an ear infection already Mm -hmm. um, because there's not that barrier to prevent the fluid from settling into the middle of the ear, which is pretty unfortunately common. And a lot of the times, um, either at your lip repair or the palate repair, the ENT will place ear tubes Mm. um, within a baby's ear to kind of help relieve that pressure. Got it. And they say that that middle of the ear fluid, what it would sound like is if someone was talking to you and you were underwater. And so, I mean, could you imagine being underwater? And that's potentially what these babies are hearing. Oh, Um, Personally, we don't know yet if Logan is going to require ear tubes or not, mm-hmm. but I couldn't imagine that he's seven months old and he's just heard this like mumbling, right? Potentially, and like it would be no wonder why he's not responding verbally because mm-hmm. he may or may not be hearing the right sounds, or he may think he's saying the right sounds, but he's not because he can't hear them correctly, and so. That hearing piece definitely can play into speech. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some cleft mamas out there that their children do uh, or their children have hearing loss. And so it requires the use of hearing aids and things like that. So wow. it's definitely um, more common than you would think. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is definitely a lot of help as well. But definitely something to look out for. So those ear tubes are really common for sure. Um, dental problems when your, you know, your palate and your gum line and everything is, there's a cleft in between them. So your teeth may or may not come in appropriately or in the right spot or things like that. In my brother's case, he didn't have front teeth. He didn't get his front teeth. And so then you have dental, you know, things to deal with. So Mm -hmm. even though his palate has always been intact, he's got, he's had to have lots of Lots of dental work done, lots of dental surgeries, jaw surgeries, all kinds of things like that. Um, And so think about your, like, hearing and your dental problems and how that could potentially affect your speech development down the road as well. So your palate is used pretty much to speak, to say any sound, you need your palate, whether Mm -hmm. your tongue is hitting the back of your palate or the middle or the front part of your palate, like... You use your palate way more than you even realize. And so if that's non-existent for you or it has a hole where your tongue should be hitting, Mm -hmm. you can't create or form certain speech sounds. And so um, or once you start to once that's been repaired, sometimes you can have nasal sounding speech and then the way in which you speak Mm -hmm. sounds different. So now you can say it correctly, but you sound weird and so now you are 
potentially that's another thing that makes you different. And mm-hmm. so it requires speech therapy. So Logan is seven months old now and he is he has qualified for a speech support. So he does have an IFSP, which is like a mini baby IEP mm-hmm. um, for younger kids. And so he does technically qualify for special education services uh, in regards to speech, which we are all about getting him all of the help that he needs mm-hmm. and deserves. That way we can build him up for down the road. Like hopefully he won't need to have speech services, mm-hmm. you know, his whole life. Right. Um, but we definitely want to make sure that we can help encourage normal and proper speech development down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think we have the big challenge or complication of like the social emotional piece. Like definitely. what does that look like? Like how do you deal with a lifetime of feeling different mm-hmm. or people looking at you differently or people saying things to you? Um, could you potentially develop behavioral things when you're younger or older? How does that come out? Like in self-harm or in addiction or in so many depression or anxiety, um, so much stress. Like, what does that look like? I don't know. I have never experienced that, but I would love to hear from a cleft-affected adult that has gone through that. Definitely. Um, And what is that like when you're little and when you're older? How have you dealt with that? You know, I would love to hear um, what their experience has been like and how we can come alongside and support them. Mm -hmm. And also, like, how can I personally support Logan as he grows up? Yeah, for sure, because there's so many different ways and speaking of like supporting is there like some people that you like support now like that you would want to um give a shout out to or want people to be aware of oh yeah there are so many amazing different cleft resources and organizations that i have been personally impacted by um and we can also link mm-hmm. um, links to all of these people. And there are probably, gosh, to think off the top of my head, it's going to be hard. But there's going to be so many more that I think I could mention as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of mentioned her already. Jen from Don't Get Lippy. She was one of the first people that I came across. And so oh. I definitely highlight her. She's doing some amazing work and she's going to be starting some more global work as well that she's just launching. And so um, I'm excited to see what that's going to look like. So I highly recommend the Don't Get Lippy podcast. Everybody who's listening to our podcast, hop over and (laughs) listen to hers because she's incredible. Um, Cleft Strong is another really good one. Cleft Strong uh, KC. Um, Mark is a cleft-affected adult that has just started this amazing Um, organization to help support uh, families with clefts financially that struggle because I that's a huge thing that we haven't really touched on but we just got a really nice bill in the mail today for $900 that Mm. for a clef for something from our clef team that our insurance is deal is deeming as not medically necessary and so 
we have a $900 bill on top of the thousands and thousands of dollars of other bills, medical bills, um, in regards to surgery or different services um, that we have to pay for because of Logan's cleft. And so I think that financially, that's a huge burden as well on families. And, you know, I don't know what that would look like for a family down the road, you know, how that could really impact the family dynamic. And, you know, I think that financially it's definitely a huge undertaking. So mm-hmm. what Mark's doing is incredible. Clef Strong Casey, highly recommend giving them a follow and supporting them. Um, we definitely have some shirts and merchandise that we have purchased and we love to wear all around. And everybody thinks it's super cool when they see this. You'll just have to check out, check it out. Mm-hmm. But his logo is this really strong power lifter duck that has a cleft which oh. it's just really really cool um cuddles for clefts is amazing they are a organization that provides free uh cleft packages care packages to families that are just about to go through their cleft surgeries and so it's got a cute onesie and a book oh. and um just a really sweet handwritten note from someone who has sponsored them so logan got a cuddle pack before his surgery and it said you know every it it was just like the cutest thing and sweetest memory to have like someone cared enough about Logan to sponsor him and to have this sweet gift as we're anxious and moving into the surgery like he gets this really sweet bear that has a cleft scar that matches his cleft scar right every smile has a story onesie because his smile does have a story and um that's really nice and they just started these new diagnosis packages that they're sending to clinics all over oh my goodness Um, so it's when the doctor says like your baby's going to be born with a cleft Mm -hmm. they have resources in this box and they provide them the sweetest little gifts as just like a reassurance like you're not alone and like join the club kind of thing right. that is absolutely incredibly sweet. Um, so I highly recommend Cuddles for Clefts. I actually do it right now. Go onto your Amazon account and sign up for Amazon Smile. Yes. And it literally costs you nothing. It takes two seconds of your time. Mm-hmm. But anytime you make an Amazon purchase, you can direct. It's a very small percentage, but you can direct yeah. proceeds that go straight to them that Amazon um sends them and I use Amazon a lot so I have yeah personally sponsored you know a couple of cuddle packs with the um just the Amazon smile so I highly highly recommend you guys doing that there's also amazing organizations like cleft proud and smile train is obviously one that uh we love providing free surgeries to people all over the world Mm -hmm. um but not just that, like we have personally been impacted by Smile Train um, when they do certain um, cleft con and, you know, they do things in the U.S. as well, connecting different cleft families together, which has been inc- incredible. Um, <clears throat> Hero Kids is great. Um, Audrey, she created Hero Kids out of a dream and she makes the sweetest clothing. They're so cute. Um, 
So cute. So um, cute. Logan actually wore his Hero Kids romper today. Oh. Um, it's lasted him like over four months and he still fits into it. Love it. <clears throat> it is the only piece of clothing that's lasted that long, but for every piece of clothing you purchase, she donates to Fun Smiles, Cleft mm. Smiles, through Operation Smile. So there's a million different amazing cleft support groups and definitely cleft resources out there um, with just the most amazing people in the whole world. So I will definitely link all of those people in the show notes as well as everybody else that I mentioned because I could truly go on and on. Yeah, I love that. And I I love that there's so many of them because yeah. that means that there's like people are out there. You're not alone. And yeah. It's getting out. Like, the word is getting out there, I guess, which I think is yeah. really cool. Yeah, I agree. And every single person that has started these organizations are the sweetest people mm-hmm. that have the biggest hearts that they've gone through this on a personal level themselves. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to give back. Like, these organizations are from, like, an overflowing part of their heart, you know? like right. They care so much that they're giving back to someone else, which is really cool. And I've been affected by every single one of those groups. Mm -hmm. You know, like I've been on the receiving end of all of their love and support and, you know, resources. So I highly, highly recommend them. I love that. Well, I'm thinking maybe we could do another episode and talk more specifically about like that emotional support and stuff that you received um yeah and maybe do some more q a on clefts how do you feel about that (laughs) that sounds good let's do it all right because you got i learned a lot tonight like (laughs) (laughs) like a lot yeah and i feel like there's still so many questions um but thank you for being so honest and open um to all the questions that i've had and hopefully other people have learned a little bit too and we can also help spread the word a little bit yeah that would be awesome thank you so much yeah well i guess we will catch up later and do more of this Sounds talk good. <laughs> it's time for us to get in bed oh, it is. <laughs> all right i'll see ya all right bye